and we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. On a Monday, I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Hope you had a great, and I mean great, Thanksgiving long weekend. Hope you had a lot of turkey. Hope you had a lot of green bean casserole. Love that. Hope you had a lot of stovetop cooking. Love that. And a half dozen rolls for me. That's the way I roll. On Thanksgiving, first time we ever took a turkey, put it on a rotisserie. Our new grill closed it down two hours later. The juiciest turkey I've ever had. My goodness. It was good. Great Thanksgiving. Went 3-0 and on the football games with some bets. Man, what a day on Thursday. Family, friends, turkey, stovetop. 3-0, and played golf on Friday, top of the world. Great week. Now we're back at it, Monday. Stripe Show Podcast, got a great week coming at you. Special guest today, John Calabria, Senior Technical Advisor for Encore Golf. He'll join me here in a little bit. Let me give you some insight here, folks, on the growth that is happening with Encore Golf and these golf balls. I've been touting them, in particularly the Vero X1 going to give you a little insight on why the golf ball is doing so well. The Vero X1, the Elixir, and the Avant, perhaps. You're looking at trying a new golf ball, or you want a little more education on these golf balls. Be a great gift for yourself or that family member or friend that, you know, just needs some more golf balls because they keep hitting them in the water. They keep hitting them out of balance, and you always need more golf balls. Dad. You know what you're getting this Christmas. So we'll talk to John. That'll be, uh, that'll be fun. Good guy. Smart guy. I mean, he has worked with the biggest groups in the golf ball industry. We're talking about he's worked into help designing the, the Titleist professional ball. I played that ball when I was young. It was a great ball. The Max Fly Revolution ball. That was a great ball. Uh, he's been right there on the front lines uh, and helping designing these balls. And now he's a part of the team with Encore Golf. But before we get to that, two things I want to get to. Number one, I, uh, I've got a membership coming out here on my website. Very excited about it. I appreciate you all being here. You like my style. You like the way I teach. You're going to love this membership. Been working on it for a long time. Travis Fulton Golf Membership. There's going to be two options. There's going to be a blue option, a green option. And In those memberships, you are going to have access to the best training programs in golf. These training programs are going to cover all 14 clubs. They are going to be designed with great context for you to do on your own time at affordable price to help you play the game better. They are designed to entertain you. They are designed to help you make money on the golf course from your buddies. You're going to love them. And we're going to add new training programs as we go. All new total driving. For some of you, you may have the total driving program. Now I reshot it, added some things. I think you're going to love it. Got a brand new breaking 90 training program. Really cool. Strokes in around the green 2.0. You're not going to want to miss it. And others. Operation Baby Draws being redone. We got another one called Making Par. Scrambling Shots little strategy. We're going to get into the fitness world, the mental side, equipment, 
You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be really, really cool. Now, in addition to all these training programs, they're going to help you play better. And I'm going to entertain you. You're also going to have access to some Stripe Show podcasts exclusive with top players and coaches. Going to be a little vignettes, X's and O's, deep dive from the podcast that we post. But that'll be in addition to that. Not going to want to miss that really, really cool insight, top players and coaches, Stripe Show podcast exclusives. The third element, as you know, I love the betting side of the sport. Got my team put together. If you follow the podcast on Tuesday, that's going to stay the same next year. But we are going to be offering our free weekly picks for the PGA Tour through the membership. So you follow these free weekly picks, you're probably going to make money. You're probably going to pay for the membership yourself right there. It's going to be great. Can't wait for that. Got a great team put together. And then finally, the giveaways. You know how we do it. We give away the best prizes and products right here. So that'll be on a monthly basis. All new coming out this week. Would love to have you as a member. Promise we'll take care of you. I will entertain you. I will make you a better golfer. And gosh, can I promise you I'm going to make you a little bit of money in gambling and betting? That would be an awful big statement. But it's going to be there. Right. You know, we have great picks. We have a great team. We've proven ourselves right here on the podcast. Anyway, that's the membership. Second item before we get to John, who's getting ready to go right now. There was a little match played on Friday. Maybe you heard Brooks Kepka versus Bryson DeChambeau. The match. Standing off like two boxers looking at each other, staring each other in the eye. A couple of alphas. Didn't watch it. I like me either. I'm usually, you know, I'm usually watching everything when it comes to golf. If golf's on, I'm usually watching it. Especially two big names like Kepka and DeChambeau. Didn't watch it. A lot of DMs, why? You know, I made that post on Instagram and I mean, didn't watch it. Like, you know, I just wasn't interested. You know, to me, like this whole feud between these two has kind of come and gone. Like it's already fizzled out. Like if the match would have happened, if they would have played each other when it was real and it felt somewhat authentic um, in the summertime when it was going on, yeah, then I would have watched it. But to me, it's kind of come and gone. It's fizzled out. They hugged it out at the Ryder Cup. You know, they tried to rekindle it. And I like the match. I think they do a good job with it. I, I, I like the insight with the cameras on the cart and the little smack talking and Barkley and some of these other perspectives and whatnot. Um, but I don't know. I just was just didn't watch it. Maybe kind of burnt out on golf. Perhaps that's part of it too. When you think about it, you go back to this Kepka DeChambeau and you know, this debate on whether it's good for golf. And I think rivalry is good for golf. I think it's good for sport. I think you got to have some of that conflict. I think it went too far. I think Brooks rewarding people with beer to call him Brooksy was a bit childish and a bit bullish, but Look, in the end, I think this feud between players um, is is fine, right? It's sport. It's, 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 there's a competitive nature to this. You're going to have this, and I think it's good, and I think we should lean into that. I think it went too far with Kepka and the way that he handled it. And Brooks certainly, or excuse me, and Bryson certainly added some fuel to it, not knowing how to handle it, but that was okay. That's part of it. Anyway. Did it bring some new eyes to the game? Yeah, it probably did, right? Because it was on SportsCenter. It was on FS1. And people who normally don't 
watch golf, saw this come across their TV screen or their phone. And they're like, well, geez, maybe I should lean into this. This is interesting. This is appealing to me. I like this kind of stuff. I like conflict. I like tension. There's people that like that. They like that in sport and golf doesn't have a lot of that. And all of a sudden here's two. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to check this out. But the problem was, is you couldn't go check it out because, you know, in golf the, the next week, well, maybe they didn't play both of them that week. And then the next week, one of them played and the other one didn't. And then the next week they both played, but you know, the tour's not going to lean in. So one played the morning and the one in the afternoon. So you never really saw them together. They never played. They were never in the same group. And if you want to maximize on those eyeballs and you want to lean in, well, they would have been paired together. And there was an opportunity to do that, but it wasn't, didn't happen. Yeah. I would have watched that. The match would have happened right there. I'm all in, but they didn't. So it kind of fizzled out. Here we are, Ryder cup and they hug it out, right? becomes kind of this fun joke. And it was, you know, everybody puts the cherry on top because the Ryder cup, the United States win and it's all fun. You got the other guys that kind of smooth it over and that. So to me, it's like, all right, it's over. We try to rekindle it comes on and wasn't interested. And, And I wasn't the only one because the ratings weren't very good. You know, the ratings were not very good. So it's kind of unfortunate. I think it's kind of a missed opportunity in some ways in, in the game. Yes, I would have liked Brooks to be a little bit more professional about this. But there was an opportunity there in, in, in some kind of rivalry perspective to lean in and have some fun with it. And yes, I think maximize some new eyeballs that were coming onto the sport for the first time. So it's interesting, right? Where this is going to go into next year, who knows? One thing I do know is kind of reading on this and just seeing how they played. I mean, Brooks surprised me to some degree. I, I, I predicted Bryson would beat Brooks. Uh, but the one thing that I didn't take into mind is Bryson has probably been hitting nothing but his driver for the last month and a half. And I think it's going to be a storyline to look at with Bryson is, is the rest of his game, is he going to neglect the rest of his game heading into next year? Where's approach game going to be? Is he going to improve on his short game? He's one of the worst short game players on the PGA Tour. We know he can hit his driver a long ways. When he keeps it in front of him, he can be dominant. He's a great putter. But is he going to neglect the rest of his game? Chris Como, his coach, he'll be coming on in December. We'll talk to him about that. I'm very fascinated on how the time is being allocated throughout the bag with Bryson DeChambeau. Now, from Brooks' perspective, I think it'll be interesting to see how Brooks designs his team. Um, as I mentioned you know, on this podcast, he worked with Claude Harmon the third. They split. I think Brooks walked away from that. Um, he's got new equipment now. You know, I think there for a while, um, his his longtime putting coach and short game, um, Jeff Pierce. I think they split. Are they back together? I don't know. There's a lot of questions there with the Kepka team. It'll be really interesting to see who's part of that team into next year? Because I do think Brooks has been searching here in November. I think he's really struggled with his game. He's clearly been working hard, hard. He's now quote a range rat. Um, so who's going to be on that team is, is Jeff. Um, I don't think Claude's going to be on that team. I saw Randy Smith on the tee with him. He's a good teacher. Is he, can he help him? You know, so where all this is going to go with Kepka's team into next year, I think it will be very interesting. I'll do some research on that for you and shed some more light on that. So a lot of stuff going on here over challenge this week. You know, Hey, we just, there's no break from golf folks. Let's go back down to the Bahamas tigers event. We've got a great field 
down there. We'll talk more about that tomorrow on the podcast. Break that down. You've got DeChambeau, you've got Kepka, you've got Spieth and Cantley and Xander. They're all playing in it. Here's a, here's a, um, before we bring John in, here's a trivia question for you. And no one will get this right. I mean, no one. Who was the last time, who was the, the guy, the last time they played the Hero World Challenge? Last time they played it, who was the winner? Two years ago. Henrik Stenson. <laughs> no one's going to get that one right. In fact, I had to open up another computer and Google it again to make sure this computer wasn't lying to me. Henrik Stenson. Wow. Last time the Hero World Challenge was played, he won it. And on that note, it's time to bring in our man, John Calabria. Do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club? Well, if that's the case, today is your lucky day because I'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at Pinned Golf. Their brand new Ace Range Finder is amazing. And it's only $199. I've been using it for a couple weeks now, and I was blown away with the quality. It has a slope technology, pin-locked vibration technology, so you know exactly when you are locked onto your target tour lever accuracy. And best of all, it is powered by a USB charge, so you can forget about those little batteries every other rangefinder makes you buy. One 45-minute charge lasts you 50-plus Rounds. I love it. Our friends over at Pin Golf are hooking up all of our listeners with $25 off and free shipping when you use code Stripe Show. That's code Stripe Show. I'm telling you, for $175, you simply cannot beat the Ace Rangefinder. Head out over to pingolf.com and get yourself the Ace and get dialed in. And joining me now here on the Stripe Show podcast. John Calabria, Senior Technical Advisor for Encore Golf. How you doing, John? Good morning. Fine. How are you? I'm doing well. How was, uh, hopefully had a great Thanksgiving. Looks like the yes, sun sir. is out up there in South Carolina, right? Correct. All right. Well, you had a good Thanksgiving? Very good. Excellent. Well, let's get right into it here. Um, John, you've got a lot of background and experience um, with big names in the golf ball industry. Tell us a little bit uh, about that experience and, and, uh, and where you've been and, and working on these golf balls. Well, interestingly enough, I started my golf career, golf ball career, if you will, with Spalding in Chicopee. Okay. And it, it was interesting because that was right at the beginning of the two-piece ball, the Serlin two-piece ball. Spalding was at the forefront of molding those. So I got to see that firsthand. But at the time that I was there, they had also been making round balls and were slowly phasing that out in favor of going to injection molding golf balls. So it was, it was quite good to uh, to be there during that time. Later on, uh, with a stint with a non-golf ball company, I went to work for Titleist, which, of course, at the time was the leader in the golf industry. And you saw a very different situation with them because they were making uh, solid golf balls. They were making wound golf balls. They were making the DT, which was a solid center wound ball. And you got to see the whole gamut of golf balls that were being made and a very big operation, big like Spalding was, and really got thrown into the mix in terms of coming up with new products. 
in trying to develop new products. And one of them, the big one, was the urethane cover, which was going to be used on the Titleist Professional. And that golf ball was the first golf ball with a successful urethane cover. And many companies tried to make a urethane cover but failed or it wasn't very good. And we were able to marry the process with the product for the first time ever and came up with what was during that time a very, very good golf ball. Because as everybody might remember, a lot of golf balls were very soft and easily mm -hmm. damaged. And we wanted something that had very good durability, which the urethane cover did, but excellent performance at the same time. And so that was quite an experience. Mm. After that, I joined Dunlop Maxfly, and they also had the Slasinger brand as part of their portfolio and just kept working on new ideas, new products, and moving that brand forward uh, with a cast urethane covered golf ball, which was the revolution. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. That was quite a ball. That was a solid center wound golf ball, and people considered it the hybrid that transitioned from the wound ball to the solid ball. And that was really, really a good golf ball. It was long. It had really good control. And the, the people who were playing it, like Freddie Couples and others, just really liked that golf ball. And after that, um, I joined TaylorMade because TaylorMade ended up buying the MaxFly brand. And I worked mainly on the production side for TaylorMade because of all the experience I had had designing golf balls and working with the production side to get new golf balls introduced. They wanted me to help them with their production side. And so I worked in the factory. When new products came in, we had a team that would transition the product into the factory and also making the process more efficient. And finally, after that, I started working for Encore. And the reason for joining Encore was they had this hollow center metal golf ball, hollow metal center, I should say, golf ball, that they were having some issues with it. They wanted to make it better. And so asked me if I could come in and help them with that effort. And so I joined them to make that ball better. And we did some work on it. And we got it to a point where it was a better golf ball, but realized we probably weren't going to be able to take that ball to the level that we wanted. And so, so started working on golf balls that incorporated that perimeter weighting concept that we got with the hollow middle center, but gave us the performance we needed to appeal to a broad range of golfers. And that's where we are today. So talk about that perimeter weighting, right? Because, and, and what that means, scale it down, perimeter weighting in a golf ball. It's in the Elixir. Yes. And it's in the Vero X1, right? That's correct. Well, perimeter weighting is a concept basically where you move weight from the in the golf ball further out towards the cover. And that's what we've done with both Elixir and Vero, as you stated. We've put a, a very dense metal in the mantle, which is on the outside of the core, of course, and under the cover. And that allows us to increase the moment of inertia of the golf ball. And moment of inertia is a property 
of, of golf balls, but other products that resist rotation. And what I mean by that is it re resists side spin. Okay, so it makes the ball more accurate. Mm. So as we've seen and heard from a lot of the guys playing our golf ball, that as you hit it and it starts to fly, it is straighter than most golf balls that are out there now. And it resists that side spin that's going to push the ball into the rough, let's say, as opposed to landing back in the fairway. Now, if somebody's got a huge slice or hook in the ball, there isn't any amount of moment of inertia that's going to help them keep that ball in play. <laughs> that's but, my job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it does work. We see it in flight testing from the machine. When the machine's hitting the golf ball, the iron bar, mm -hmm. and we can tell uh, what kind, what it's doing to the trajectory. And so we're very pleased with the kind of performance we're getting with both of those golf balls. The Elixir being a, a little bit softer feeling golf ball, really good for playing in cooler temperatures, mm. but still maintaining that perimeter weighting and the distance that people want, giving great spin and feel. Vero a little bit firmer, more for the higher swing speed player, but really long distance. It's really, really good with that. And it gives you that low spin off the tee that accentuates that improved distance, but also the higher spin into the greens. And it also has a higher trajectory than Elixir. So some of the better players really like that. They can launch the ball high with their irons. And if the greens are firm, you're going to have a better opportunity to hold the greens with that higher trajectory. But what's key for the, the golf ball, for the Vero golf ball, is that it's, it's less affected by the wind. Mm. In that case, so you might say, well, you launch it high, it's going to get blown around a lot. Well, because of the perimeter weighting and the increased moment of inertia, it maintains its flight and its accuracy. It's interesting you say all that because, you know, Encore sponsors this podcast and I've been touting the Vero X1 for since it came out, you know, in, in the things. And of course, they've briefed me on it, but just as a player hitting it. The first thing that comes to my mind, I always say, is that it is the golf ball is long. Um, it's it's a very long golf ball off the tee. Yes, it's very interesting. You were talking about how it resists side spin. I do feel like I am more accurate with it, but I love how you said the the irons into the greens that you can launch it higher into the greens uh, as well, and it's really quite durable too. It is one of the interesting properties is a reduction in spin decay. And what I mean by that is how quickly does a golf ball shed spin in flight? And there are a number of factors operating on the golf ball that would cause it to lose spin. So we, we may recall from years ago with the Bellotta ball, it would you'd hit it, it would spin quite a lot with a driver, typically around 3,000 RPM. And in some cases, depending on how much spin you put on, it would upshoot. And then as it up, would upshoot, it would drop out of the sky. And that was a problem for that ball. With the Vero, you have low spin, but the ball holds on to its spin a little longer and doesn't get rid of it and stays in the air longer. And it makes it just a longer golf ball because of that. And two-piece balls are also in that same category. They tend to hold on to their spin a little longer. They don't shed it as quickly. So when you combine 
the distance of a two-piece ball with the feel and spin of a what used to be a round ball but is now a high-performance solid ball, you get a great product. And that's what Vero X1 does. Let's talk about some of the features here between. So you have the Vero. You talked about maybe for your more skilled players um, to play the Vero. But then well, you said yes, the Elixir true, was softer. Go ahead. You were saying that then the Elixir was a, was a softer ball and better for cold weather. Talk about, if you can, maybe to skill set and some of the different properties between those two for the listener. And like, okay, I'm, what, which one would I kind of fall into? Okay. Well, the Elixir is for, can still be used by the better player if they want that softer feel. Okay. Okay. It still has very good distance. <clears throat> Whereas the Vero is a, is a little bit firmer. When I said using the Elixir in, in cooler weather, I did that because it has that softer feel. Not to say you couldn't use the Vero as well right. in cooler weather. It's going to feel a little firmer, but some people like that. And so it just gives you the, the choice. The big difference between the two balls is the feel of the Elixir is softer than the Vero. And Elixir has a slightly lower trajectory than Vero. Vero has that high launch, low spin, whereas Elixir has kind of a medium launch trajectory, low spin. And they both spin very well into the greens for that kind of control that the better player would want with wedges and shorter irons. Right. And, and I guess the sound off the putter face would probably... Right. It feel, would it feel, would it be a little, a little softer with the elixir coming off with the properties yeah. or would it be a minor difference there between the two? No, you can feel the difference and hear the difference actually, because right. feel is, is a very subjective subject when it comes to golf balls and it relates mm -hmm. mostly to hearing. It's the sound of the ball coming off the club face. So mm -hmm. yes, a player would, would hear or feel that the elixir has a softer cover, even though the cover of both balls is the same urethane. Hmm. The elixir has a slightly thicker cover than the Vero. Talk about the third ball, which is the, the Avant in those properties. Yeah. The Avant is a very soft two-piece ball. And it's for that slower swing speed player who's looking for a little more distance. Now, with any two-piece ball compared to a three-piece, four-piece, or five-piece ball, you're going to give up a little performance. It's a compromise, and that compromise comes around the greens. And when I talk to people about finding the right ball for their game, I tell them to start at the green and go backwards to the tee. And what I mean by that is you want a ball that's going to react the way you need it to around the green to save strokes. You got to be able to get up and down when you miss the green. And we know that the higher handicappers have a tendency to miss more greens than the better player. Well, now they got to get up and down to score. Find the ball that helps you do that by getting the control you need. And the, the Avant will give you very good control around the green. It's not the same as the Elixir or the Vero, but it's still good for yep. that player who wants that type of ball. And also, honestly, when buying golf balls, you have to consider price and durability. Mm -hmm. And so the Avant is a lower price golf ball. And for somebody who may tend to lose more golf balls, they may want that kind of ball instead of paying for the Elixir or the Vero. So it's really a choice. 
in terms of overall performance and what you need off the tee and on the greens versus what you want to spend on the golf ball. How long do you play a golf ball? Many people try to keep a golf ball in play as long as possible. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a great lineup. I, I think when I first came onto the team and, and saw the Avant and then the Elixir, once the Vero was added, then I felt like, okay, now they've got the complete product line here. You know, they're kind of, they're speaking to a lot of people now, the masses of golfers, and there's something there for everyone. So it's exciting to see the success of Encore, the Avant, the Elixir, and now the Vero X1. And um, I, I tell people all the time, the Vero X1 was made for me. That golf ball <clears throat> was absolutely made for me. So I thank you, John, for um, making that <laughs> golf ball for me and for, <laughs> for so welcome. many around the world. And um, we'll, we'll keep spreading the word. I, I know you've got a busy day. I wanted to shed some light on just kind of the background of how these golf balls are coming about. Smart people like yourself putting them together. So we appreciate you coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Great talking to you. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest Gold-Rated Elixir and Low Compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.